Welcome to Giant Cocktails Happy Hour, a podcast where two amateur mixologists introduce homemade cocktails and discuss what makes each one a giant hit. Now, here are your hosts, Finn and Matthew Henry. Hey there, elixir enthusiasts and potion pioneers. I'm Matthew Henry, your spirited Sherpa on this grand expedition of gustation. And alongside me is Ben Henry, our Duke of decanters and delights. From the deep canyons of cocktails to the peaks of premium spirits, we're your trusty guides on this thrilling trail. Whether you're thirsty for a traditional tipple or craving a creative concoction, we're serving up the best of both worlds. Get set for a journey that's equal parts discovery and delight right here on Giant Cocktails Happy Hour. Cheers to the adventure ahead. How you doing, Duke? I like Duke. Yeah, what's not to like about Duke, man? That's like it, it, seriously. I don't even know like what that ranks in the hierarchy of royalty, but it still sounds really cool. Well, I mean, it's pretty high, but it's like I think you know you're a Duke. You know that it's just you're it, you're never going to be the guy, <laughs> right? Like you can be a little bit more outlandish. You can be a little bit more embarrassing for the royal family, and, and still get away with it. In fact, the people will love you more. Absolutely. You're the man of the people. That's right. That's right. You're a man of the people with your <laughs> extreme uh, unearned wealth and privilege. <laughs> I like Duke. I like Duke a lot. I think it's interesting that you're a Sherpa, though, which in many ways is is cooler than even Duke. That's right. Because I, I know stuff that you'll never know. I'm I'm going to get you there. That's right. You help the the overprivileged wealthy people achieve things that they could never achieve on their own because of your expertise. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for that, Matthew. Thank you for being my Sherpa on this cocktail adventure. No problem, Duke. <laughs> All right. Sweet. <laughs> so, how's it going? How is it going? Well, Matthew, I've had a week to sort of come to terms with things. I think, you know, anybody who listened to last Thursday's episode knows that I was a little, I was a little, I was a little bitter. Okay. I was a lot bitter. And uh, <laughs> I would say this week now, Matthew, I'm a little bitter. I'm, I'm doing better. I, you know, and, and I went and I investigated bitterness and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But but I, I decided that last week, last week was really just about me whining and complaining about my life because my baseball team didn't make the playoffs, which I think a lot of our listeners can relate. So I, hopefully totally. people, hopefully people, you know, embrace that. We're there with me. But this week I thought, you know, I did a disservice to the Rob Roy last week and I feel like I need to make up for a little bit. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. But anyway, how are you doing? How was your week? It was good. Yeah, I had a uh, a work retreat at a resort in Napa. It was a uh, overnight retreat, quick in and out. Bougie. All right. Nice. Bougie. Totally bougie. And and what I learned about myself is that uh, I'm not a resort kind of guy. Like I, <laughs> I, I feel out of place. I I don't have the clothes for it. Mm, I don't yeah. have the car 
for it. No, you definitely don't have a car for it. <laughs> Rolled up in my Kia Sereno and there was, you know, right next to the BMW on one side and the Porsche on the other. And but I had a great time. It's always good to get together with colleagues uh, outside of a normal work schedule and and you know kind of learn from each other. And so that was great. And I you know I feel like I got to give a, an update on the girls soccer. Still didn't win a game. Oh no. <laughs> Yesterday it was 94 degrees when they were playing. Oh man, I thought you were going to say a score there. I'm so glad that you said a temperature. <laughs> well, this is that we played the same team that that they lost two fourteen to nothing at the beginning of the season, and they only lost like seven to two. That, whoa! They scored. Yeah, they scored, and and my daughter played forward, did oh. not score, but showed off some moves that we didn't know she had. Wow! Uh, there was one where she had her back to the goal, and she took the ball and ran it like from the top of her feet, ran it backwards behind her, and mm-hmm. then spun and shot the ball. Nice. Like, and that, that's not my daughter. My daughter doesn't know how to do those kind of things. <laughs> Uh, but you know, she didn't. She didn't elbow anybody in the neck this oh. time. But played a good game. Anyway, that's the that's the soccer update. So, I got a question for you though. Yeah, do it. So, if someone were to offer you a beer or hard cider, oh, which which one are you taking? Wow, I would probably say. Mm, are you sure you don't have anything else? Um, <laughs> and I might, I might even say, do you have any wine or? A bottle of water? <laughs> really? That that's how far low. I'm they just are on really the not a beer, a beer or hard cider hard cider guy. But let me put it this way: if the beer is not like a well made beer, then then I'm definitely not interested. So if it's like a top five brand or something like that, I'm not drinking it. Like mm-hmm. it, I just won't. But I would, if you forced me to, I would definitely choose a beer over a hard cider. I, I'm not, I'm just really not a hard cider guy. I will drink okay. beer, but it's only like, it's only like these high ABV beers. Like, like are you a stout kind of guy? Like the kind of beer that puts hair on your chest? No, that, I don't drink stout. I mean, I will drink a stout once in a while for the flavor of it, but I really more am a, of a uh, quad IPA kind of guy. Or I really like, the only beers that I really enjoy are things like Chimay which is like a high ABV Belgian because they have a high ABV <laughs> and they they kind of have a sweet quality to them. Okay, Go figure, yeah. right? That, right? That, so, yeah, right? So those are kind of the ones that I, I really like, like uh, Fin du Monde or like a Chimay or, or something like that. I will definitely drink those if you have them, but, but nobody has those. They have, they have at best, they have Corona. Maybe yeah, they have a Stella, yeah. but usually it's one of the, one of the, the you know, the bleep waters, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I, I think I, I agree with you in some respects. I do know that, you know, when you get up to like it, the beers that are internationally acclaimed and I happen to have such a beer in my backyard, uh, the Russian river brewing company does a beer called Pliny the younger. Well, yes. And, uh, and Pliny the elder is their normal drink. And then they do us Pliny the younger release yeah. every year. And I had never had, like, I'm not a beer guy. I Hefeweizen, I actually really enjoy, a little lemon in it, but really not not much of a beer guy. But when you taste a beer that's like, wow, everybody says it's good, it's actually pretty good. And I would drink that. Yeah, that's a triple IPA. So I would definitely drink that as well. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so, so that's, uh, but you know, I, I'm sure that there are other beers out there, but I'm not going to spend my dollars and my calories, you know, looking for those beers when I know that I would probably like a cocktail just uh, a lot more. So, right. But I'm not, you know, but no hard cider at all. <laughs> oh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, it's not something that's on my radar very much. It's, you know, and, uh, the reason I bring it up today is because it happens to be in my cocktail today. Okay. Uh, and I have, was not very familiar with, I have, I can't say that I've had too many, although they're becoming more popular now. And so I thought that it would be appropriate to put it in the cocktail. Well, having said all that, you know what time it is. Is it that time? It is. It's time for tip of of the day. day. Tip of the day, Ben. And tip of the day. I was, I was scraping the barrel for tips today and so i turned it over to you and you came up with a gem oh so right, i right. am going to uh, turn it over to you to describe today's tip of the day yes the tip of the day today is actually related a little bit to what i was talking about last week and will be talking about this week which is that not all of a class of a certain spirit are going to be the same. And I think I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but what I'm specifically talking about are these spirits that I think a lot of times where we are not drinking them all the time because I think it's sort of obvious, right, that not all bourbons are going to be the same, not all whiskey rye whiskies are going to be the same. Not all rums are going to be the same. I think we all kind of understand that intrinsically. But then you're going through a cocktail recipe and you see it call out for something set like say, "Oh, I don't know, sweet vermouth." And you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go grab a bottle of sweet vermouth from the store. They're all the same, right? And then you make the cocktail out of it, and you hate the cocktail. And you think to yourself, well, I don't like that cocktail. And it's because you think, I don't like sweet vermouth. Well, here's the thing, folks. Most sweet vermouths are very, very different from each other. And it turns out that's because there's really not any sort of hard and fast rules about what goes into a sweet vermouth. And they are all very, very different, both from the sweetness level and from the botanicals that they put in there to add both bitterness and also other notes to the beverage. So it really behooves you to sample these kinds of spirits to find the one that you like the best because it might very well change your opinion about a particular cocktail. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened to me with sweet vermouth because it didn't, but it almost happened. It kind of sort of happened. As I now have in my possession, multiple bottles of sweet vermouth. I I was going to call you out on that because I, you know, you texted me earlier this week saying that you, uh, keep accidentally buying vermouths and uh, thinking that you're out of vermouth. And so now you've got this opportunity to taste test your vermouths, Ben. I do. I do. And so that's actually a a good segue into my cocktail. And Matthew, you're supposed to go first this week, but because you made me do the tip of the day, I'm just pushing you out of the way and I'm going first. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So last week I made the Rob Roy. And, and I was listening back to that episode, and I stand by everything that I said. But I also thought to myself, you know, self, a lot of people like the Rob Roy, and you're about to go make a Manhattan. Maybe you should learn a little bit more about this sweet vermouth that upsets you so much. And so I went out and I did a bunch of research. I read all about sweet vermouth, 
And the first thing that I will tell you is this. Matthew's tip last week about refrigerating your sweet vermouth, that's no joke, folks. You should be (laughs) refrigerating this kind of spirit, particularly anything that has an ABV of less than 20% should probably be going in your refrigerator, especially if the base spirit is something like a wine or some other like fermented rather than distilled spirit. These should be living in your refrigerator. They can last in your refrigerator for up to a couple of months. In fact, there was one bottle, the Cookie de Americano, I believe it was called, mm-hmm. of yeah. sweet vermouth, where when the, on the bottle, they actually have a place where you can write the date that you opened the bottle and it tells you to put it in the refrigerator and then it tells you it should last about three months. So so this is ser- a serious thing is that you should be refrigerating your opened bottles of sweet vermouth. So if you're not doing that, do that. That being said, I did a bunch of research and I thought to myself, I'm going to go to the store and I almost bought myself three bottles of sweet vermouth, but I did not. I held back. And so what I have in front of me right now is the Dolan Rouge, which is probably the most common or at least common for like our parents and, you know, therefore us. You younger folk, you're, you're better educated about everything. And so you might not be like just straight going for the Dolan Rouge, but I have that in front of me. And then I also have... The Antica formula of Giuseppe B. Carpano, which is a very popular sweet vermouth. So give me one second while I taste these. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm tasting the Dolan first. It, it is very sweet. And that's true of both of these. But the Dolan is actually sweeter. But I think the Antica formula is more mellow. And then it has this kind of stronger, more like astringent bitterness, whereas the Dolan just continues to go sweet. Now, some of you might really like the the sweet, and some of you might really like the bitter, the bitter taste at the height. Now, here's my problem. Both of them finish with this aftertaste that is just really, really off-putting for me. And this is the reason why I don't like sweet vermouth, is this distant aftertaste. And what I was referring to last week with that whole crushing thing is it's like that's the thing that finishes the entire cocktail and that's what I'm left with after I take a sip of the Rob Roy. And it turns out what I don't like is the one thing. Well, there's two things that have to be in sweet vermouth. One is white wine. The second one is something called Artemisia, which is a genus of plant, many of which are called wormwood. And wormwood is common in absinthe and it's common in most sweet vermouths, and I don't like it. And there's nothing <laughs> that's going to make me like this. And it's not that I don't like bitter. It's that I don't like that wormwood bitterness aftertaste. And so that's my problem with the sweet vermouth. However, as I said last week, like I want to be somebody who appreciates cocktails, like you know, can learn to love them or learn to appreciate them even if I don't love them because I enjoy the craft. And the one thing that I will say is that both of these play very, very different in a Rob Roy or the cocktail that I'm presenting today, which is the Manhattan. And let me give you the specs for a Manhattan, which are very similar to the specs for a Rob Roy. And that is, I I did ounces today. These are parts, really. Two parts of, uh, I'm using rye whiskey, In a Manhattan, you can use rye or bourbon. They're both acceptable, although I really feel like those are two different cocktails. 
But the consensus seems to be right now both are acceptable and both are considered to be Manhattans. Sometime in the 1890s, Scotch got its own name, and that's what became the Rob Roy. But bourbon and rye have never made that division. Still, still duking it out. That's huh? right. Well, back in the 1890s, there just wasn't very many much bourbon around, so it was probably rye that most of these were being made from. And there just hasn't there, been any yeah. distinction in the name since then, but I believe those are two different cocktails. So anyway, two ounces of, of rye whiskey in this particular case, one ounce of, of your sweet vermouth. In this particular recipe, I am using the Antica formula uh, by Carpano. And, and then two dashes of Angostura bitters. Now, you can use any kind of bitters, it seems like, but most of the recipes that I saw, like hard hard, hard lean towards Angostura specifically. So, you know, I mean, and, and a classic like this, you know, I, I think you got to just, you got to follow, you got to follow the recipe. Gotta go you got to go with yeah. the classic. And in that particular case, it means Angostura. This really is a different cocktail than the Rob Roy, especially if you're doing a rye because of the spiciness of the rye. Now, while that sweet vermouth, the attack or the beginning of the sweet vermouth is very sweet, when it's combined with the rye, the first thing that you're really noticing is the spiciness of the rye. In that case, the sweet vermouth, with its sweetness and with just its botanicals, is what kind of mellows out the bite and the spiciness of the rye. It becomes a, a, a more uh, palatable... I don't, I don't know that palatable is the right word because I, I like rye. I don't think it makes it better tasting, but it makes it a smoother journey, right, through, through that first sip. And as the burn and the spiciness of the rye subsides, you kind of move into the botanicals of, of the sweet vermouth. And you almost don't notice the sweetness of it because that's just cutting the burn or the spiciness of the rye. And then it finishes with those botanicals. Now, depending on the vermouth that you're using and how much of wormwood it has in it, it's going to finish with that wormwood. If you like that, it's a fantastic finish. If you don't like that, it's kind of like finishing 81 and 81. You know, this is kind of like a 2022 kind of situation. You know what I mean? It's like, I liked parts of this. But then it was kind of mm, at the end. But again, I, that is not because there's anything wrong with this cocktail. It's just because I don't like wormwood. I think it, this, again, is a wonderful spirit-forward cocktail. And because it's a classic, I, I think it's at least worth putting on your menu one time. Also, what's great about it is so simple to make. Anyway, after you get all of those ingredients together, you stir them with ice. This is not a shaken cocktail, right? Because we want to stay spirit-forward. We do not want to over-dilute. We're just chilling a little bit. You're going to stir for 15 to 30 seconds. The bigger and drier your ice, the longer you're going to stir, but never more than 30 seconds. And then, of course, you have to put in two brandied cherries. I'm uh, one brandied cherry. I'm using two, two Luxardos. Uh, and, and in effect, this looks almost identical to the Rob Roy. I served mine today in a coupe instead of a Nick and Nora just to distinguish the two from each other in the social media feed for our show. But anyway, that's what I'm drinking today, Matthew. The ageless, classic, spirit-forward, mellowed, hot rye, mellowed by the smooth sweetness of sweet vermouth, the Manhattan. 
I'm glad that you're embracing the bitter cocktails because these are the classics that we've been neglecting over the last three years. And yeah, we, we, it's about time. And I'm, I'm really impressed with your, your deep knowledge of, of, of vermouth. And, you know, you will, because I mean, you're never going to use it again after this month. So, um, all right. Well, while you're continuing your bitterness, I am still exploring fall, Ben. Good. Cause it's just fall has just begun, Matthew. It better because it was 92 on Saturday. So it's, I'm ready for some cool fall weather, which I think we're getting this week. So I'm, I'm, I am thankful. So, uh, so today I'm bringing a cocktail called the Tender Knob, and I I don't even look at me that way. I didn't name it. No, I was okay. going to say, isn't that, that's it. like a, that's a quasi neighborhood in uh, in in the city. Well, it, it is, and the reason that it is named after that is because this this is uh, created by a bartender named. H. Joseph Ehrman, which I think Ben has uh, uh, introduced one of his cocktails earlier in the season, known as H. Yes, that's his, that's name. his name. He H. goes by H. And uh, he's the owner of Elixir, which is a one of the oldest continually operating bars in San Francisco. And it is located in the, the Tender Knob area of San Francisco. So he created this uh, one, and I'll, I'll tell you what's in it. You're going to get one slice of organic Granny Smith or Fuji apples. You're going to have one and a half ounces of bourbon. In this case, to stay true to the recipe, you would choose Knob Creek. But I did not do that. I am using Elijah Craig and it tastes just fine. Two ounces of hard apple cider. Three quarter ounces of agave nectar. A pinch of cinnamon. And an apple slice for garnish. And you're going to muddle... Your first apple slice, about an eighth of an inch thick, uh, in the bottom of a shaker, and you just you want to get it nice and mushy. You want to get it really, really muddled well. Uh, then you're going to add the bourbon, the apple cider, the agave nectar, and your pinch of cinnamon, and you're going to fill it with ice, and you're going to shake it until it's well chilled, about eh, about fifteen seconds. And then you're going to double. Well, you you so traditionally we double strain cocktails to kind of keep the the stuff that you've muddled out of your drink. But in this case, you want a little bit of those apple chunks to make it into the cocktail. So you're not going to double strain and you're going to just strain with, if you have a Hawthorne strainer, don't press down as much. Just let some chunks of apple float through and uh, you fill it up with, I, I have a rocks glass with one large ice cube and you pour it in over that and garnish it with an apple slice with a little maybe sprinkling of cinnamon on top. And what you get, Ben, mm-hmm. is this very smooth, surprisingly smooth apple. Uh, just uh, it's almost like drinking apple pie. It tastes so good, mm-hmm. and I I was shocked when I when I took my first sip of how like good this is and how uh, just if you were to choose a fall drink, this is it, folks. This is it. You can stop looking. I mean, there's this is just uh, an amazingly accurate portrayal of just the 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 deep kind of autumnal feel, uh, starting with the bourbon. I mean, bourbon is, I think, kind of just the the, the appropriate spirit for a fall cocktail. And uh, and then the hard apple cider uh, just adds that complexity. I will say that I used one that was carbonated. 
And so if you're going to do that, then you want to give it a little bit of a stir to break up the carbonation before you shake it. Okay. Mm. So take a bar spoon and stir it up. It'll foam up a little bit, but uh, get some of that carbonation out of there before you shake it. Otherwise you might have a little explosion on your hand as you're, as you're shaking the, uh, the cocktail. Wow. Uh, but uh, boy, it tastes so good. And the little apple chunks that are kind of floating in there as you take a sip, you get a little chewiness in there. I went with the Fuji apple because I did want a sweeter apple. But if you wanted to do, you know, sour Granny Smith. with the with the gra- Granny Smith, that would also be a really nice compliment to the sweetness uh. from the cider. I think that maybe next time I will try that. But this is a fantastic cocktail and you can drink this all fall and even into the winter like you could this could be like your go-to through thanksgiving and into christmas wow wow so first of all i like that you got you got messy with this one it's got it's like got chunks of apple in it and it's just yeah it's just earthy earthy Ugh. um i i i i do like also that that you're drinking your your apple pies hey maybe as you're drinking that apple pie you could have it with a side of ice cream with your apple cinnamon syrup from last week. Mm, mm. Yeah. You know, I actually toyed with the idea of subbing out that apple cinnamon or subbing in the apple cinnamon syrup for the agave. I did not because I felt like this probably had enough apple as it was, but the, and the agave just lends this nice earthiness to it that I really liked. Did you make this up yourself? Is this a, or is this, did you, did, did you not listen to me when I said it was by H? I did listen to you, and I do remember you saying that. <laughs> but you know what, Matthew? I've had two shots of sweet vermouth in a Manhattan, I'm just realizing. <laughs> it's just, it's just right, occurring to me just now. <laughs> I, I might be lit. <laughs> I will tell be. you. I tell you, folks, these Manhattans and these Rob Roy's, they are very spirit forward. No, I do. I do think this is a really wonderful recipe uh, for fall. So uh, the agave nectar. I, this is a weird ingredient to me here. I, I I would expect maybe just like a simple syrup here. Why agave? The richness of the agave and the earthiness of it. I think really you you can't replicate that with just a simple syrup. And I, I think it's a good choice. It's a, it is a surprising element of it because, I mean, you're used to that in like a margarita, you know, to complement tequila. Uh, but you don't see too many agave and bourbon type cocktails. But this is a, a good a good flavor uh, profile, I think. Why does the agave only have to be paired with mezcal and and tequila? I mean, they're both agave based spirits. I, I get it. I get why it shows up there, but why can't it also branch out into other cocktails? And H has clearly recognized that here. And that is true. I would say that agave nectar is a it's a it's still a very light tasting sweetener, but it definitely has a more a, a little bit of an earthier flavor to it. And yeah, I guess that does pair very well, especially with a muddled apple. Did you find that muddling the apple, like, did you feel like you were getting a lot out of that? Because sometimes I look at muddling and I'm like, ah, we're just doing that for show. No, I I think it definitely lended a lot to the flavor of of the drink. Certainly the apple cider brings that apple flavor, but I think the freshness of the fresh apple really complements everything. And then there is something to be said about the little chunks. I mean, you're definitely kind of chewing a little bit of it as you're drinking. And that in itself kind of brings some flavor to the drink. That's interesting. Matthew? (laughs) Yes. Well, I've been trying to find these 
fall cocktails and this one i i saw a couple of different places and i thought uh, i think this one might be a winner and you know boy if you're looking for a wonderful fall cocktail definitely give it a shot and uh you will you will definitely this will definitely complement the manhattan that's for sure uh, gives it a uh, definitely a when i say complement i mean this will definitely provide a counterbalance to the manhattan well, there you have it, folks, the Manhattan and the Tender Knob. If you liked either of these cocktails enough to try them yourselves, or maybe you made something better, take a scot of it, or maybe just paint a word picture and send it to us on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, or Mastodon. It doesn't matter where you are, because we're there too. We love to interact with you, and it really helps the show. You know what else helps the show, Matthew? leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend, telling a stranger, telling people that you just, you know, happen to be walking by on the street, just tell them about it. You know, that won't be weird, but that would really help the show. Yes, it would. And we will see you all next Monday when we will be drinking these same cocktails while Matthew and I discuss what roster changes need to be made or not made for the San Francisco Giants to be slightly less bad and slightly less boring next year. Until then, Matthew. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Ben. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. After two shots of sweet vermouth and one spirit forward Manhattan, this is Ben Henry saying, A boga! Vaya con el Manhattan. Let me tell you about the th- blobity in the fubidata. <laughs>